ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As at the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. And welcome back to another episode of History of a Haunting. I am Carrie. I am Archie. And our guest host is off today. So let's just jump right in. And uh, the EVPs, I just, I don't really have any EVPs really. Um, But today is December 26th. Uh, This episode actually comes out next week um, on January 2nd. But Yesterday was Christmas, and Archie came over. We had a lovely time, lovely dinner, lovely drinks. (laughs) (laughs) We watched Wonder Woman 1984, which we both loved. And we hope all of your Christmases and your New Year's were safe and happy. Um, The only EVP that I really have is, in addition to yesterday being Christmas, there was a bombing in downtown Nashville. And um, I think as of today, there's possible human remains that have been found, but no real other like injuries or deaths reported. Um, So I just wanted to take a quick minute and let everybody know um, there in Nashville that you are in our hearts. Um, Our hearts are with you. Our love is with you. And we... just can't see, we can't make any, there's no sense to be made in this crazy, crazy situation. Nashville is one of the best cities I have ever visited. Jennifer and Mike and I went there last summer and in 2019, and we had the best time. Everybody was so hospitable and friendly and welcoming from every single Uber driver we had, every single Lyft driver, every single person, everywhere we went. The people that live in Nashville are truly, truly lovely, lovely people. And the city is so rich with history. And, um, you know, it, God, it was just shocking to, to see and, and to continue to see it on the news. Uh, this morning is is just devastating that somebody could actually do that. And um, so we just wanted to say that here at History of Haunting, um, Nashville, all of you are with us and we are with you and we love and support you. So absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's talk about another terrible, awful, horrible, no good, really bad thing, <laughs> which is our location today. So Arch, why don't you let the folks know where we're taking them today and um, dive right into your history? Cause that's all I got. Unless you have something you want to. No, I got nothing. Okay. I got nothing. I got a rock. <laughs> this week we are going to Lamp Mansion in St. Louis, Missouri, United States. Yeah. Had you ever heard of this place? No, I hadn't. No. Okay. 
I mean, um, sure. all of my info, right? <laughs> all of my information I found on lampmansion.com. <laughs> when John Adam Lamp arrived in St. Louis from Eschwege, Germany in 1838, he seemed no different from the thousands of other immigrants who poured into the gateway to the West during the first half of the 19th century. Lamp originally sought his fortune as a grocer, but his store was unique for its ability to supply an item sold by none of his competitors, lager beer. Ah. Lamp had learned the art of brewing and the effervescent beverage under the tutelage of his father in Eschwege, and the natural cave system under St. Louis provided the perfect temperature for aging beer. Oh, really? Lemp soon realized that the future of lager beer in America was as golden as the brew itself, and in 1840, he abandoned the grocery business to build a modest brewery at 112 South 2nd Street. Huh. A St. Louis industry was born. The brewery enjoyed marvelous success, and John Adam Lemp died a millionaire. William J. Lemp succeeded his father as the head of the brewery, and he soon built it into an industrial giant. In 1864, a new plant was erected at Cherokee Street and Carondelet Avenue. The size of the brewery grew with the demand for its product, and it soon covered five city blocks. Holy shit. In 1870, Lemp was by far the largest brewery in St. Louis, and the Lemp family symbolized the city's wealth and power. Lemp beer controlled the lion's share of the St. Louis market, a position it held until Prohibition. In 1892, the brewery was incorporated as the William J. Lemp Brewing Company, and in 1897, two of the brewing industry's titans toasted each other when William's Lemp daughter, Hilda, married Gustav Pabst of the noted Milwaukee brewing family. The demise of the Lemp Empire is one of the great mercantile mysteries of St. Louis. The first major fissure in the Lemp dynasty occurred when Frederick Lemp, William's favorite son and their and his heir apparent to the brewery presidency, died under mysterious circumstances in 1901. Mysterious mm. like murder or just mysterious circumstances. It doesn't it didn't say. Hmm. Three All right, years. armchair detectives unite. Let's figure out this death. <laughs> well, unfortunately, three years later, William J. Lemp shot himself in the head in a bedroom at the family mansion, apparently still grieving the loss of his beloved Frederick. William J. Lemp Jr. succeeded, succeeded his father as president. Tragedy continued to stalk the Lemps with startling frequency, the brewery's fortune continued to decline until Prohibition in 1919, when the plant was closed permanently. William Jr.'s sister, Elsa, who was considered the wealthiest heiress in St. Louis, also committed suicide in 1920. Is she uh, the one that married into the Pabst family? Um, or was that somebody else? Hilda. Was Hilda. Married. Oh, was, that was Hilda. Okay. Uh, let's see. Sorry. On June 28, 1922, the magnificent Lemp Brewery, which had been once valued at $7 million and covered 10 city blocks, was sold at auction to International Shoe Company for $588,000. That was the name of it? or The company that bought it. Was the International... Oh, I thought you were going to be like, International Shoe Company... 
pay less shoe source. Or, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just International Shoe Company. Okay, it's great. International Shoe Company. And even though it had been valued at $7 million, they bought it for $588,000. Oh, my God. Although most of the company's assets were liquidated, the Lemps continued to have an almost morbid attachment for the family mansion. After presiding over the sale of the brewery, William J. Lemp Jr. shot himself in the <laughs> same building where his father died 18 years earlier. Oh my God. His son, William Lemp III, was 42 when he died of a heart attack in 1943. William Jr.'s brother, Charles, continued to reside at the house after his brother's suicide. An extremely bitter man, Charles led a reclusive existence until he, too, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Oh, my God. The body was discovered by his brother, Edwin. In 1970, Edwin Lemp died of natural causes at the age of 90. Wow. The Lemp Mansion was built in the early 1860s and was subsequently purchased by William J. Lemp as a residence and auxiliary brewery office. Although it was already an impressive structure, Lemp used his massive brewery fortune to turn the 33-room house into a Victorian showplace. Oh, that sounds lovely. The radiator system was installed in 1884, five years after radiant heat was patented. The grand staircase was removed to accommodate an open-air lift that ran the gamut of the house. Oh, my God. The decorative iron gates in the basement restaurant are all that remain of the elevator. In 1904, the house was completely renovated. To the left of the main entrance is the former brewery office where William Jr. committed suicide. The decorative mantle is Italian marble. To the right is the parlor with its hand-painted ceiling and intricately carved mantles of African mahogany. Oh my! Yeah, behind the parlor is an atrium where the lamps kept exotic plants and birds. The main bathroom is dominated by a unique glass-enclosed freestanding shower that Lemp discovered in an Italian hotel and brought back to St. Louis for his personal use. Other that is, that does is not just, sound insane. It's just a volume of money that we will never know. I just can't <laughs> imagine, like, what? Jesus. Well, even listen to this. Other unusual fixtures in the room are a barber chair and a sink with glass legs. No. <laughs> At the rear of the house are three massive vaults that the Lemps built to store great quantities of art objects. The Lemps were such avid art collectors that they could not display all of their acquisitions. Each vault is 15 feet wide, 25 feet deep, and 13 feet tall. Holy crap. The bedrooms were all on the second floor. Uh, the main bathroom has a white granite shower stall and a marble and cast iron mantle. The servants' quarters were located on the third floor, which boasts cedar walk-in closets, a skylight, and an observation deck. The mansion does not have a ballroom in the traditional sense because the Lemps built an auditorium, ballroom, and swimming pool in a natural underground cavern that could be reached from a now-sealed tunnel in the basement. Another tunnel, yeah, another tunnel led from the house to the brewery. The wine and beer cellars, laundry, and kitchen were in the basement. The huge kitchen that once served the elite of St. Louis society has been completely modernized and now serves as serves the honored guests of the historic Lemp Mansion restaurant. We and gotta go. Yeah, we gotta go. That's uh, gotta that's go. what I've got. That was amazing. Oh my gosh, this place. I mean, I, I've heard of this place, 
but I, I had no idea that there was so much of it underground. Mm-hmm. I had no, well, actually, I had no idea there was any of it underground, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to learn about. That's so cool. Um, wow. Again, I, I got to follow that. All right, great. <laughs> Oh, Archie. <laughs> um, okay, so we're just going to jump right into the ghosts. All right. All right. So I got my um, part from Legends of America, Lemp Haunted House, KMOV, and Lemp Mansion, all at dot com. So um, wanted to start my part out with this. Uh, what determines whether a building is haunted? When a person dies in a house, does that automatically make the place haunted? Is it a murder, a suicide, or an unexplained death that makes a building haunted? How about five deaths in one mansion with nearly all being by their own hand? Would that make a building haunted? The Lemp family truly qualifies as one of America's most haunting ghost stories with much scrutiny on the seemingly possessed Lemp mansion. So... As you had mentioned, and you were talking about William Lemp Jr., um, he had taken over as the new president of the William J. Lemp Brewing Company. Um, he, after ha- having inherited the family business and this insanely vast fortune, that they were having sinks with glass legs and weird barber <laughs> chairs. And- <laughs> Goodness. Um, he and his wife Lillian began to spend the inheritance. Then, like you had mentioned, um, they would fill the house with servants, the pair, and the pair also spent huge amounts of money on carriages, clothing, and of course, the art you talked about. Mm. So apparently Lillian was a very beautiful woman who came from a wealthy family herself. Um, She and William Lemp Jr. had married in 1899, and their son, William J. Lemp III, was born on September 26, 1900. So it wasn't too long um, before the wife, Lillian, became known as the Lavender Lady because of her fondness for the color. Mm -hmm. In addition to her lavender attire and accessories, she went so far as to have her carriage horse's harnesses dyed lavender. Like this woman was obsessed with the color. <laughs> um, so in the beginning, Billy, as I'll call him from now on, um, enjoyed showing off his trophy wife, but he was a player. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and he was used to doing and acting however the fuck he wanted. So when he began to tire of his beautiful lavender wife, (laughs) he demanded that she must spend her time shopping, allotting her $1,000 a day. And he gave her an ultimatum that if she didn't spend all $1,000 a day, she would not get any more money. Jeez. So in 1900, 1901 to $1,000 a day, I need to calculate that, so I'm going to. (laughs) (gasps) It's the equivalent of $26,285 today. $1,000 a day. Wow. I know. Oh, my God. No wonder she was like, "Uh, you know, that barber chair's $1,000. I'll take it. Put it in the house. (laughs) What are there's like all kinds of weird shit in this house? Um, so anyway, that was that fun little. I was like, that's that's a lot of money. That's a um, lot of money. 
$26,000 a day, Arch, we couldn't, I mean, I think in the beginning we could spend that much money, like in the first couple of weeks. But then after that, it's like, what do you buy? Just start investing. <laughs> I guess if, if that like, fit if within his money that you, Yeah, if it's money you're told you have to get rid of to get more of it the next day, it's start giving it away. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know what? My best friend, Jennifer, um, I paid her $1,000 to hang out with me and go have lunch. I gave her $26,000 to do that. Um, I tipped the, <laughs> I tipped my uh, Instacart delivery person $26,000. Right. <laughs> Goddamn. Um so anyway, in the meantime, he was busy running the brewery during the day and pursuing um, a bunch of different decadent activities during the night, which came direct from the copy paste I did because I rarely use the word decadent. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, he would hold lavish parties in the caves below the mansion, um, and he would also bring in numerous prostitutes for the entertainment of his friends. Oh. Uh, prostitutes is what they were called back then. They're obviously sex workers today. Uh, so no, you know, offense intended. Wow. I'm literally, again, just reading the copy paste. <laughs> <laughs> um, they enjoyed the swimming pool, the bowling alley, and the free-flowing beer, which who wouldn't? Um, his friends that att attended these lavish events were known to enjoy a high time in the earth below, which I thought, that sounds kind of creepy. Wow, Okay. So, you know, so apparently his shenanigans caught up with him when he uh, <laughs> got a woman other than his wife pregnant. Uh oh. Yes. Um, and I guess today there is no official documentation that this boy existed. Um, however, the rumors are that this boy was hidden in the mansion attic for his entire life. Um, and this William J. Lemp Jr. didn't want anybody to know about it. So it stands to reason there would be no record of him. Mm. But um, according to a St. Louis historian by the name of Joe Gibbons, he had actually interviewed a former nanny and a chauffeur who worked at the mansion long ago. Um, and both of them verified that the boy did in fact exist and was housed in the attic quarters that, was also, that also housed the servants' rooms. Mm-hmm. Hold on, my speed racing neighbor is... Um, okay. Yeah, so, your thing. You didn't? Oh, okay. Because even through my headphones, I was like, that was hella loud. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> it, nobody really knows who this child's mother was. Um, he was a serial philanderer, and so it could have been one of the many sex workers that he was with, or a mansion servant. I mean, nobody knows. Um, but the boy was born with Down syndrome. So back then, the child was a total embarrassment to the family simply because obviously, you know, it wasn't his wife's big, mm. yeah, kind of a thing. Plus mm -hmm. then he also had this disability. So the boy was hidden away from the world in order to cloak the Lemp family's shame. He is known today by a certain name that I'm not going to say because I, it's hideous and ugly and I'm not going to repeat it. Um, but this particular child, um, well, not child, but person, um, is one of the unfortunate souls that continues to show his presence at the Lemp Mansion. Um, 
Apparently, when William Jr. tired tired of his trophy wife, he filed from divorce for divorce from her in 1908. Um, I guess it was a very sensational divorce trial, and like it was covered in all the papers, uh, like front page on all the papers, front page news on the newspapers that they oh, wow. this horrible divorce that they were going through um when the trial started in 1909 crowds flocked to the courthouse just to listen to the stories of and the testimony of violence drunkenness atheism and cruelty wow yeah um so but with a divorce this is when his troubles started um in 1906 Nine of the large breweries in the St. Louis area had combined to form the Independent Breweries Com- Breweries Company. I don't know why that word is so hard for me to say. <laughs> that created a fierce competition that the Lent Brewer bre- <laughs> beer makers had never faced. <laughs> uh, Aaron, write that down. <laughs> in the same year, <clears throat> his mother died of cancer on April 16th. So as you had mentioned, the brewery beer makers' fortunes were continually declining and the Lent Mansion was entirely remodeled in 1911. (laughs) She's still laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And partially converted into offices for the beer makers. Brewery. Brewery. Okay. There we go. There we go. Um, apparently, William allowed the company's equipment to deteriorate without keeping abreast of industry innovations. And by World War One, the brewery was just <laughs> <laughs> barely limping along or limping along. Uh, get it? Do you get it? Uh, I know it's terrible. Now you're terrible. I am, t- I am terrible. <laughs> So, um, again, Archie, like you mentioned, Prohibition came along in 1919. Uh, The individual family members were already wealthy, so there was little incentive to keep the brewery afloat. (laughs) Um, I guess he had kind of hoped, Will or Billy, had hoped that Congress would repeal Prohibition, but finally gave up and closed the lump plant down without notice. Apparently, the workers learned of the closing when they came to work one day and found the doors shut and the gates locked. Yeah, I thought that was pretty shitty. I was like, what a douche canoe. Um, But this guy wasn't like upstanding citizen of the year anyway. No, no. So um, now you said it was the International Shoe Company? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So they actually didn't did not buy the Lemp Brewery in one parcel, but the property was auctioned off in pieces, which I thought was interesting. I thought it would have just been sold. But I guess it was so huge. Didn't you say it was like 10 buildings or some crap? It covered 10, um, 10 blocks. Oh, it covered 10 blocks. Yeah. Okay, so I guess it was sold off by block or something? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. at the end of his brewing dynasty, he slipped into depression. Um, again, like you said, acting a lot like his father. He actually became increasingly nervous and erratic, shunning public life and often complaining of ill health. On December 29th, 1922, you had mentioned that he did shoot himself. Um, he shot himself in the heart with a 38 caliber revolver in the very same building where, the, where his father had died. 
So, okay, here we go. He took his life on the main level of the mansion, just inside the entrance to the left. At the time of his death, this room served as his office. He was interred in the family mausoleum at the Bellafontaine Cemetery in the crypt just above his sister, Elsa. Now, like you had mentioned, his brothers, Charles and Edwin, long ago left the family business. So with him gone, William Jr. gone, the it seemed that the entire Lemp empire had finally ended. Um, Edwin had entered into a life of seclusion at his estate in Kirkwood in 1911. Charles had never been involved in the brewery and had chosen to work in the banking and real estate fields instead. In the 1943, another tragedy occurred when William Lemp III died of a heart attack, like you said. Brother Charles eventually remodeled the mansion back into a residence and lived in the house along with two servants and the illegitimate child of his brother. Oh. So... Um, this guy, too, apparently became an odd figure as he grew older. He developed a morbid fear of germs. He was a, he had um, obsessive-compulsive behavior, which included wearing gloves at all times to avoid bacteria and constantly washing his hands. It was during this time that William's illegitimate child, who was now, by now, in his 30s, died in the mansion, having never left that attic. Wow. Isn't that disgusting and horrible? That's horrible. So um, he, this child, was buried on the Lemp Cemetery plot with only a small flat marker with the word Lemp. Isn't that awful? That's rude. That's so awful. Everybody else gets this fancy fucking mausoleum. Anyway, so shortly after this child's death, well, obviously, again, he was in his 30s, but after the illegitimate child's, de child's death, Charles became the fourth member of the Lemp family to commit suicide. First, he shot his beloved Doberman Pinscher in the basement of the mansion. Then, climbing the staircase to his room on the second floor, he shot himself. Um, he was discovered on May 10th, 1949, by one of his staff, still holding a 38 caliber Army Colt revolver in his right hand. Though the dog was shot in the basement, he was found halfway up the stairs. Oh, God. So, to me, that sounds like it didn't die, and it followed him up the stairs you know what stop talking this is that's i deliberately left out history parts <laughs> Talk about well, the ghosts. i these are the parts that i have to say because of the ghosts god not the dog isn't that awful um and also the dog is one of is also been reported to be seen and heard apparently. oh jesus yeah. Can't take much more of this. <laughs> so Edwin passed away quietly of natural causes, like you mentioned, at age 90 in 1970. According to his last wishes, his butler burned all of the paintings and artwork that the Lemps had collected throughout their lives, as well as priceless Lemp family documents and artifacts. These irreplaceable pieces of history vanished in the smoke of a blazing bonfire. So all that art you were talking about, this oh, had that's, destroyed. That's terrible. Right? Oh. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. So with Edwin, the Lemp family line died out with and the family's resting place, like I said, can now be found in the beautiful Bellefontaine Cemetery. OK, so the hauntings. Um, so after the death of Charles Lemp, the shitty dog killer, um, <laughs> the mansion was sold and turned into a boarding house. So along with the nearby neighborhood, the building began to deteriorate and the haunting tales began. Residents 
of the boarding house complained of ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps being heard throughout the house. Of course, as these stories spread, uh, tenants were hard to find for the boarding house. No, no doubt. (laughs) I mean, I'd be right there, but You'd be first on the list, yeah. Right? Um, So because tenants were hard to find, it continued to decline to a near, what does it say? I can't read my own notes. <laughs> it continued to decline to a near flop house status. Oh my. Oh wow. I mean, as gorgeous and beautiful as it was when you were talking about it in its prime, that's kind of awful and sad. Yeah. I, I mean, there is no uplifting side to any of this, but. <laughs> no, not any of it. But I would have loved to have had an opportunity to use that freestanding shower. Right. <laughs> So in 1975, after Edwin died, the old mansion was saved when Dick Pointer and his family purchased it. Wait a minute. Uh, I was really hoping (laughs) I could just gloss right over that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but um, Dick Pointer, okay. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They immediately began to renovate the building and they turned it into a restaurant and an inn, which it is today. Um, apparently workers within the house often told stories of apparitions, strange sounds, vanishing tools, and a feeling of being watched. Frightened by the hauntings, a lot of these workers would leave the job site and never come back. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess since the restaurant opened, staff members have reported several strange experiences. Again, apparitions uh, will appear and then quickly vanish. Voices and sounds come from nowhere, and the glasses will often lift off the bar, flying through the air by themselves, as well as ice being fucked out of the ice bin in the bar. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right? I'd rather be hit by ice than a glass, though. (laughs) Um, so on other occasions, uh, doors are said to lock and unlock by themselves. Did you hear that? No. Okay. Car raced down the street again. Oh, wow. Uh, again, apparitions, apparitions, Jesus, Carrie, uh, appear and they quickly vanish. Voices and sounds come from nowhere. I already said that. I'm on the doors. Sorry. Back to the doors. The doors (laughs) lock and unlock by themselves. It's been a day. (laughs) and it's not even one o'clock okay um all right let's get i gotta get this fucking shit wrapped (laughs) like handled goddamn okay on other occasions doors are said to lock and unlock by themselves lights inexplicably turn on and off of their own free will and the piano bar often plays when no one is near i think that's i would love to experience that kind of a haunting a piano yeah, I bar. I wouldn't mind that too much. Not at all. So said to be haunted by several members of the Limp family, there are three areas of the old mansion that have the most activity. Oh, shit. By the way, I meant to tell you in my part when Edwin had had his butler burn all of the art and family documents and stuff, he did it in an attempt to break what he believed was a curse on the family and that building. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. It is. And I really should have, it's it's misplaced information. I really should have remembered to say it. <laughs> when, I wrote, when I wrote my notes, I was like, I'll remember that. And I'll just interject it in. I didn't put it in my notes, but apparently I gave myself too much credit. Anywho. Oh. Anywho. <laughs> um, so again, said to be haunted by several members of the Limp family, there are three areas of the old mansion that have the most activity, the stairway, the attic, and what staff refers to as the gates of hell in the basement. The gates of hell. 
Yeah. Well, probably leading to the underground auditorium, mm-hmm. swimming pool, ballroom. Exactly. It's this area of the basement that used to be the entrance to the caves running below the mansion and the brewery. So today there is a um, permanent historian and paranormal investigator by the name of Betsy Burnett Bellinger, I'm going to say, Bellinger. Um, She says that there are nine identifiable spirits in the mansion. Um, She's also also a psychic, so she does have... um, gifts and medium abilities okay. um as a medium not like size wise <laughs> like <laughs> small medium and large she's yeah. a small medium at large no, <laughs> she's a small medium at large no. um she- <laughs> stop it <laughs> i swear we don't have covid we're just don't know how to drink um <laughs> So she says that while these spirits are not malevolent, they also aren't exactly benevolent either. Mm. Um, And I've never heard anybody describe a spirit or spirits this way. And I thought it was so kind of charming, actually. She says, quote, they're just people. And sometimes they have a bad day and people make them mad. Which I was like. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Oh, great. Um, so there's no change from the living to the dead. Great. <laughs> yeah, apparently when you die, you don't get all of this, like, endless patience and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so one of these spirits is a boy that goes by the name of Zeke. And he is said to be the illegitimate child that of William J. Lemp Jr. that hid away or mm-hmm. was hidden away in mm-hmm. the attic. Um, he is said to hide on the third floor, scared of the constant flow of guests who come for dinner and stay overnight. Um, so this Betsy Burnett Bellinger, she says That's that he's a, a right, it is right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the BBB Betsy Burnett Bellinger, not the better business bureau. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> She says he's a little boy. He was part of the Lent family and he hides up there. He's very scared, very scared and afraid of people, which can't blame him. Right. I can't blame him. For sure. According to her, he loved to play near the small windows close to the floor. He would watch the people outside from his window up high. It was his favorite thing to do. And there have been accounts of people that have had seen him in peering out of the windows, um, which is how... Every those horrible people gave him that terrible name that I won't say. If you're really curious about what it is, you can look it up for yourself. Um, he did spend his entire life locked in the attic of Lent Mansion. Strange occurrences are often witnessed on the third floor level of this place. Uh, the face of the boy has regularly been seen from the street peeking out from the small windows of the mansion. So just as when he was alive, they're still seeing this kid looking oh, out the windows even, of the mansion. Even though he died as an adult, he... He's... His spirit is that of a child. Spirit is the child. Wow. Yeah. So um, ghost investigators have often left toys in the middle of his room, drawing a circle around them to see if the objects have been moved. Consistently, when they return the next day, the toys are found in another location, uh, which I think is just adorable. Yeah. That's um, sweet. Yeah. So Betsy, the BBB hosts ghost tours of the mansion almost every week and has seen many television shows come to the mansion. Um, I included this in my part because I really feel like she puts into words how I feel about some of this stuff. 
It says she's not afraid to say how she feels about how some of the investigators conduct themselves, especially when it involves Zeke, who is the little boy. Some paranormal show hosts use antagonization techniques to trigger responses from spirits. Betsy says antagonizing a young boy's spirit who is challenged is something she disagrees with. When you have a little boy's spirit, that is not the way. He is so frightened and disturbed. He has the mind of an infant almost that he can't react to that, so he just hides. So when you know that about what the spirit you're trying to communicate with, why would you do that? Looking at you, Zach. <laughs> hmm So one of the more remarkable experiences she had was during a filming of a show in the mansion. She had brought this regular old teddy bear from her home for Zeke, thinking that this would have been something he liked. She set the bear at the top of the stairs and proceeded on with her interview. Something, however, caught her attention out of the corner of her eye. I looked up on those stairs and the teddy bear was up in the air, swaying back and forth as if a little child was playing with it. I know. I was like, did they get that on camera? Because I need to see that. That's adorable. Right. Now, this one is really fucking funny. Uh, (laughs) In the downstairs women's bathroom, which was once William Jr.'s personal domain and held the first freestanding shower that she would love to have. Ooh, yeah. Yes, so it's a women's bathroom now. And (laughs) (laughs) many women have reported a man peeking over the stall at them. On on one such occasion, a woman emerged from the bathroom, returning to the bar, pissed as hell. (laughs) And she stated to the two men she was there with, well, I hope you got an eyeful. However, the two men quickly denied ever having left the bar, for which the bartender verified. So this ghost that does this is said to be that of the womanizing William Lemp Jr. Oh, jeez. Isn't that disgusting? <laughs> you, you perv. Like, you get her in your house, but goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So I guess in William Lemp Sr.'s room, guests have often reported hearing someone running up the stairs and kicking at the door in the middle of the night. When William killed himself, William Jr. was known to have run up the stairs to his father's room and finding it locked, began to kick the door in to get to his father after he shot himself. Oh. Uh, Several years ago, there was a part-time tour guide that had reported hearing the sounds of horses outside the room where William Lemp Sr. had kept his office. However, when the tour guide looked through the window, nothing was there. This area, I guess, is at the north is north of the mansion and is now used as a parking lot but at the time it was utilized as a tethering lot for horses oh yeah yeah um another identifiable ghost in the mansion is one that the bbb calls the stinky man okay uh (laughs) as if there's an apparent odor when he's around and he seems a bit territorial of the mansion uh she said that he's told me to get out this is my house and stuff like that so uh, she says she didn't, she doesn't ever go when she hears that. And so this particular spirit is never really too pleased with her because she does it <laughs> leave when asked. Um, other strange, um, other smell strange perfumes and experience uh, sudden cold spells throughout the house. Um, and then lastly, ghost hunters did an investigation there and Jason and Grant were in one of the rooms So in this room, there's a space between the armoire and the wall um, that Jason noticed kept being filled by a black shadow. So it's just like there's a piece of furniture in this on this wall and it's not like bumped right up to the corner. So there's like a, I don't know, 
foot and a half wide space between it and the wall. And it kept being filled up by a black shadow. So Grant then placed a chair in that space with a K2 meter on it, like the exact K2 meter you and I have. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also an EMF detector. Uh, He placed this standing up on it and he asked whatever was there to light it up and it would. So he would say, if you go up close to it, it, it'll light up. And so then all of the lights lit up. And he's like, if you back away from it, it, those will go away. And then all of a sudden the lights went down. And so it was, wow. it was so crazy. And he said that in the, in the clip that I had seen, he said, um, you know, if, if you're a member of the Lemp family, you know, go on and light that up and we can take that as a yes. Like if you have a, mm-hmm. we ask you a question and it's yes, go light that up. And are you a member of the Lemp family? And it lit up. And yeah, it was really, really wild. And they had, I mean, I really love ghost hunters. They always do a really great job. They're not um, theatrical. They just go in and they investigate. And if it's BS, if they can debunk it, they're going to. And I really love that. It's not like every single like noise they hear and whatever, they immediately is like, that was a ghost. Or, you know, I really enjoy their show. So yeah, they always do like a baseline reading of, you know, the EMFs in whatever room that they're in. Um, it's something that I learned from them to do. When I go into a place, just kind of like take a, you know, read the room and see, is there, is this room, does it have high EMF detector? Would this even work? Is this, you know, and what's causing it? And um, so I was really fascinated by this interaction they were having at the Limp Mansion with the EMF detector and whatever was in there with them. So that's, that's it guys. That's what I have on the hauntings of this uh, place that is just uh, tragic all the way around. Um, (laughs) It's in my know before you go. Um, They are located at 3322 Demental place in St. Louis, Missouri, 63118. You can also call them at area code 314-664-8024. So yeah, um, you can give them a call as with everything, guys, uh, you know, COVID, who knows what the hell's going on. Um, give them a call, let them know, are they open, are they not, you know, uh, check it out. It's definitely something, Arch, that I think we should we should go to. It sounds amazing. Sounds um, It really does. It really does. So uh, yeah, we'll add that to our paranormal bucket list. And uh, that list is getting fucking long. Right? <laughs> That list is getting really, really long. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's it. What'd you think? That was good. Yay! Thank you. It's not there wasn't a lot as much as like some locations we've covered have, um, but I thought it was real, really interesting. I really think it. I think the fact that the the third brother that was the last to die actually thought the family in the house was cursed, and so he burned all the their stuff oh, to try so- to. Fortunate. Break that? Yeah. yeah I, I think that was loss. I think that was so unfortunate. There were so many pieces of this story that I was just had I was just stunned by like the amount of money he gave his wife to spend every fucking day or she wouldn't <laughs> get any more. And some of this, the decor and architecture that you talked about, it was just fascinating all around. Mm. Um the little the little boy in the attic breaks my heart. And um I hope, I don't know as this woman is trying to or anybody's trying to, but I certainly hope that they could try to get that, that 
entity to cross over, that spirit to cross over. Because I think he's been in that attic long enough, (laughs) if you ask me. Definitely. Yeah. So um, to that end, we will be back next week with a brand new location in, um, it's our first recording of 2021. So I'm not going to say anything about my hope for this year because look what that got us last year. (laughs) So uh, I want to uh, wish everybody a happy new year and, um, you know, have the year you'll have. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I feel like that's safe enough. Stay strong. Hopefully we'll all be okay. Yes. Yes. Hopefully. Um, so anyway, Arch, uh, why don't you let them know where they can find us and sign us off? We can be found anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We are all over social media at HOH Podcast. We are also have our own website at hohpodcast.com and also on Patreon at, you guessed it, HOH Podcast. <laughs> Yes. And you know what? I, I, I do. Um, it's, here's an EVP that I, I should have said in the, in the beginning. Um, but I really want to give a very, very sincere thank you to all of our Patreons, everybody that has joined us this year. We started Patreon in January of last or of this year. As far as I'm concerned, 2020 is over and we're already in January. But uh, <laughs> we started our Patreon in January and we continue to grow. Uh, the support that you guys give us, the love that you guys give us is, is immeasurable. We cannot thank you enough. And you guys are very, very instrumental in, in helping us make this podcast what it is today. And so we thank you very, very much. Absolutely. Your... Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got. Um, and Arch, do you have anything? No, no, I'm good. Okay, well then I guess we'll just do a quick cheers clink and tell you guys Happy New Year and we love you and we will see you next week with a brand new location. All right. All right, bye. Bye.